to my family? Say it again. Come on, say, what happened to my family? We're in a study this year, and the whole study centers around a question. When I look in the mirror, is that the person I dreamed I'd be? And if I'm not the person I dreamed I'd be, the question is, what happened? And so we've been talking about, first month, we talked about what happened to me. And I went through a series of answers, four answers to that question. The second month, we talked about what happened to my money. The third month, we talked about, this month, what happened to my family. And in answering that question, we gave you two answers so far. The first answer, the first week, we talked about the fact that many times we made the wrong investment. We made an investment in our families, but it didn't work out right. Something went wrong. There's no way that you raised these kids and did all this work and ended up with this result. How in the world could you do that? It shouldn't have been like this. The second week, we talked about families not having a strategic plan or goals. And I said, that's the second thing that happened to a lot of families. You just live. You're a family, and you get up and you go to work every day, but that's about all you do. You just kind of exist. But this week, we're going to take a turn, a fascinating turn. Here's what I believe has happened to families that has been probably one of the most destructive things. Families have become sexually distracted. Now, I'm going to talk about this today and try to use language that doesn't bother you too much. But this third answer to the question, what happened to my family, is really one of the most important ones because for a lot of people, this is very real. Most families, a lot of families have become sexually distracted and what I call off track. Say off track. Off track. So the question for you today is, are you distracted and off track? And I'm going to use the term off track throughout the rest of the teaching to kind of make it a little easier for you. But when I say it, you know what I'm talking about. Now, to make this work, I want to simply set the stage and use me as an example. I'm going to put myself in the hot seat. Just me. So you can see, it's just me in the hot seat. Just Ricky Temple. Now, I can't put you in the hot seat because it's you. And you might not understand that. So I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to let you respond to me today. I'm going to answer a question. But I need to ask you a question first. Now, before I say this, <clears throat> I need to preface this. Uh, my wife is here. And, um, and I want her to simply testify. Now, Diane, I want you to come on up here again. And I need to put you on video so that nobody can say. And I just want you to just answer this one question for me. Just come on up here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, 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 just did one question because I don't want to get you rolling. This way it gets you started. I want you to answer this one question for me. Yes, sir. Now, I have been faithful to you. Yes. Right. So there's no hesitation in you. Breathe in or something. <laughs> don't just say no, I yet. thought you were saying more. No, I'm, 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 that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I've been, I've been you have been faithful I've been, to me. Let's be clear, I've been sexually faithful to you. Yes, you have. I have been. no girlfriends, boy, not, not nothing. No. I had to throw that in too, so, you know, I'm sorry. I got to throw it all in, I'm sorry. Got to make sure everybody's clear, right? Correct. Totally, completely. Totally. No doubts. No doubts. Thank you, ma'am. That's all I want. All right. Say amen. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on. Amen. Come on. All right. Now. Now, I'm saying that because i got to set the stage. So when I talk about this, you can't say he confessing something, there's nothing to confess. 
Okay, now and I'm not trying to be arrogant or above anybody who's had issues, and I'll talk about that too later on, okay, because people have had issues, and I'll, we'll come to that. But what I want to do today is I want you simply to answer a question for me, okay? Here's the question. The question is, if your pastor has been faithful to you, if your pastor has been faithful to his wife, why do you, how many of you think, this is the vote, how many of you think that's important? Raise your hand, you think that's important. Okay, good, all right, fine. Now, now, now this is important. I, 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 wanna, I want you to tell me why that's important. Now, I want you to raise your hand. You got to get on the microphone. We got, we got mics out. I need to hear. I want everybody at home and everywhere to hear. Raise, now, raise it. Guys, okay, point, point please, and I'll, I'll go to them. Yes, yes, right over I, here. I, I say it's important because the first ministry that God put on the earth was that of the man and the wife. So if I'm going to follow a pastor, he has to respect the first ministry, and that way I trust him to okay. respect the ministry that he's over that I'm attending. Okay, and I'm going this over here now. Yes. Well, that's, that's similar to what I was going to say is that if, um, is, is that he has to lead by example. If okay. he cannot be faithful to his wife, then how can I you can follow I can... him as an example to, to guide me spiritually? Okay, if I'm not faithful to her, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yes, right here. I believe that a pastor that we're following and taken the advice of has to be a pastor that will not compromise and that will not waver due to his fault uh, shortcomings. Okay, thank you very much. Now we're right here. Got a brother. Come on, brother. What you think? What you gonna tell? Well, me? all that boils down to is just credibility. Because really, if you say, I mean, if you're not faithful, then that kind of shoots anything that you're saying kind of down the toilet because if you're not because of your credibility shot you the toilet too you real clear <laughs> i mean basically that's what it is if your okay. credibility shot then it's very hard for okay. other people to look at you credible okay uh we're going we got one over here we, we got some go, go over there i want to go over there being in that side yet go over there my brothers from from the motherland go ahead man <laughs> tell me what you got to say my brother um i don't mind if if he's not faithful because that's his personal life. I come to church to listen to what he has to say. And if that's enough, that's enough. See, see now, what's interesting, notice the difference of opinion. Somebody said something in the back that was very fascinating last. They didn't say it in church. They said, if I had an issue, they, they could forgive me and give me an opportunity to redeem myself. And I think some people do separate it. So it's important to understand that. And sometimes that's important to hear. I just want opinions, and I appreciate that. Go here. Yes. No, you, we got you. <laughs> Bam, girl, get that thing on. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. I, I think the leader has to be strong because the leader, because if the leader is not strong, the body will fail. The body will fail. Okay, thank you. Yes. Um, my response and belief goes and ties in with um, everybody else's thus far. I believe that um, you have to be faithful because that shows an honor to the commitment. And that can translate to your commitment to God. Now, I'm going to let, now, hold, we got one sister here. Where's the sister? We got a, where, where, who, whose hand? Who's here? Another sister. Okay, where else? We got, I can't see. Another sister. Okay, after this, I want brothers. Okay, all brothers. I'm outlawing all sisters after these comments, okay? All right, I, I appreciate the sister's thoughts, but I want to hear a couple of brothers. Where we at? We, we're not, we, we, right here. We're going to go this way and I'm done. You got the mic, Beth? Go for it. What you going to say? You lie, you steal. Old people say, if you lie, you steal. But past that, 
Um, the people in the church tend, on the, tend to take on the spirit of the leader. Wow. Okay. I'm just listening. Yes, where we are. I'm doing this section. I'm done. That's it? We're done with that? Okay. Where we at? Where we at? Right here? Well, raise your hand. Let me see you. Where you at? I, okay, I don't see him yet. Where we at over here? Right here? Go ahead. Yes. I think it sets a good example because most of us don't even know a man who's faithful. Okay. Okay. Uh, glad to meet you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Glad to meet you. Okay. All right. Yes. I, I believe if a pastor um, is a pastor, he should be submitting his life um, to the will and word of God. And if he's not doing that in his personal life, then how can he um, be the spiritual head? Okay. Now, now, is that all the sisters? Was there one more? There's one more. No, no more sisters? Or, or where is the last sister? The last folks? Who's the last one? That's it? Okay. Now, where the brother's at? All right. Go ahead, brother. Go for it. The focus of a father figure as a pastor, you are showing me how to be better and to be stronger in Christ's religious way. Okay. So by doing that, okay. Thank you so much. All right. Now, brothers. Yes. Yes. Uh, Old Testament Joseph. Joseph was not only faithful and he was able to stand up against uh, temptation, but the, all of the rest of his life mirrored that. Okay, now, is that it? That's all the brothers. Okay, now, here's the last question. You ready? You ready? Last question for you. How many of you would have a hard time listening to me if I had that problem in my life? I was off track. Raise your hand. How many of you would have a hard time listening to me? Raise your hand high. I want to see your hand. Speak your peace. Come on. I want to see. That means most of the congregations, hands up. Okay. Now, here's the deal. Now, I, I like the fact that I can put myself out here like this and let you talk about me. But I want to change things around a little bit. I want to put you in the hot seat. Since you're talking about me and my need for holiness and my need for godliness and my need to be right, and you don't want me off track, the question is, are you off track? That's what I want to talk about. I want to switch this around a little bit because here's what I think is fascinating. You have all these views about me. And I, I respect it, and I appreciate grace. Let me say this to you. I appreciate grace. I appreciate the fact that some of you could embrace me and help me and love me through seasons of my life, but I think it's important to understand that a lot of people, do not understand what the Bible says about your sexuality and how dangerous it can be if you're not careful and if you don't manage it right and if you get off track, what it can do to you. Now, Paul gave some specific instructions in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. And I want you to look at your notes and I want to show you what he said. This is important. Only time in the Bible this is said. It's incredible what he says. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. He said, if you want to manage this area of your life, I'm going to give you some advice. Paul says simply this. You need to run. Here's what he said. Flee for sexual immorality or fornication in the, in the King James. This is the only time in the Bible it says to run, to flee. Now, if you don't know what fleeing looks like, here's what it looks like. Let me show you an image. This is fleeing. Look up at the screen. You see this? I want you to see. I'm going to show you fleeing. This is fleeing. I want you to understand, okay? It didn't say talk about it. It didn't say you know, negotiate. He said run. Everybody say run. run. Listen to me. You're not going to win. You're not going to be able to talk your way out of this. You're not going to be able to pray your way out of this. You came fast out of this. You got to run. 
Come on, give me one amen, people, if you hear me. Come on, come on, let me hear you. You cannot do it. Here's, here's why, because of the way you're wired. You're not wired to negotiate with it. It's, it's too strong a part of who you, who you are. You're designed by God to be sexually engaged. You're designed by God. The problem is you're off track. You're operating outside of God's prescribed plan for you. You're going down a road that you can't win. You just can't. And there are consequences that come with this that God only wanted you to resolve in the context of marriage. If you're going to have a $245,000 baby, you need to have somebody help you with that. You know that's what it costs nowadays. Google it. So next time you're with somebody and you sit down and you're feeling a little bit warm <laughs> and he's getting close to you and he says, give me a kiss. You know, he just say, 245. <laughs> if you're in Georgia, it's 230. You need to just say, this is about $245,000. Up until the time they're 18. Think about that. That's to raise them from zero to 18. God never intended for a single parent to deal with that alone. It's what it brings. It's what it creates. It's all the energy, all the emotionalism. And Paul said, I'm going to tell you now. You, know, you, you go in there with the Bible and you go in there talking about we're going to pray about this, you're going to lose. You go in there trying to negotiate, you're not going to win. Your body will win. There are no stop buttons. So if you start, it's very hard to stop. That's why you need to pause and say, am I off track? And where is it going to take me? Play the tape back in your family for a minute and ask yourself this question. Let, it, let this truth fly over your head like a helicopter. <laughs> let it land in your spirit. But, you know, there are things, man, you, just, you need to just let, you need to really get it. There's an amazing, when I was sitting in this, you know, I was ministering in the prison this week, and one of the prisons I went to, you know, a good portion of the inmates were, were sexual offenders, sex offenders. They were the people who victimized people, asking me questions. How do I go home when I did this? So you got the people who were victimizers, and I'm also talking to the person who were the victims. Well, Pastor, what did you tell the victimizers, the people who did this? I told them you can't start with her or with him. We can't start with the victim because they're not here. There's a great chance you'll never see them again. For all kinds of legal reasons, you may not even be allowed to be in their presence. We got to start with you. We got to start with your heart and your mind. And as hard as this is to hear, you've got to forgive yourself. You've got to forgive yourself for being that person. You know, it's really hard when you're that person. <laughs> Victims, I promise I'm coming, but hang with me for just a minute. When you're the person 
See, in my job, I've got to talk to the person. In my job, I don't get to choose to exclude the guy standing up there in prison looking at me in front of several hundred guys saying, hey, man, I've really messed up my whole family. That's why I'm in here for 20 years. But I get out next year. How do I go home? I don't even have a home. I am branded. And then one guy said, then, man, they're going to put me on this registry, and everybody's going to know. He said, Pastor Rick, what should I do? <laughs> I'm not sure I should have done Q&A. It's what I shouldn't have done. I don't know. <laughs> I said, you've got to forgive yourself. And you have to live with the fact, some things you do, you don't get a second chance at that. You may never, <coughs> excuse me, that's pollen. You can say thank you for pollen. You don't get a chance. So start again. Start a new relationship with people and be trustworthy. To the victim, I say. You survived. They didn't win. They don't control your future unless you allow them to. You can put yourself in a place where you were victimized forever, or you can rise up and say, I survived and I will not be defeated in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. I mean that. Both, both need God's grace. Where are you? Now, let me give you, if I can, uh, a, a very simple reason why God said for you not to engage in this kind of activity, why he wanted you to wait, because two things were important. One is God lives inside of you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul goes on to say. And then not only is it, is, is, does God, look at the text, I'll show you. God says, not only is your body the temple of the Holy Spirit, here's what he says. Every sin that a man commits, verse 18, is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own what? Body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? See, why you, you're running to protect that. You're running so that you can protect the place that God lives. And the Bible says you glorify God in your body. So this is one of the reasons why you stay on track. And if you lose sight of this, here's what happens. An interesting thing happens. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5 says this. He says, you lose your inheritance. There's a level of life that God has for you that you will always, hear this now, always be disqualified from if you live this way. If I can just be blunt, a sexually active person outside of marriage never, ever touches God's full blessing and full definition of love and relationship. There's a level you miss because of this. Now, I understand everybody has their views, and I get it, but I want you to be clear. There are certain things you miss. God's word is real clear. And I think what's really hard for people is to imagine, well, what am I missing? Well, I'll tell you a lot of things you're missing. Number one, God's best for you. And God's best for you 
It's tied up in you entering into a covenant with him. And this is the area. You want to know what's hurt families? This is it, folks. This is it. What, what happened to my family? You got uncles who are out of control. You got daughters. You got wives, husbands. You got me pastors, pastors' wives. This is an area that has destroyed spiritual families. It's destroyed good families. And sometimes you, you just can't figure out what to do about it. Now, here, here's, here's, here's what I want to close with. This is in no way God saying it's bad. Because, you know, people go, well, you know, this, is, this, is, you know this, this whole thing is bad. No, God designed intimacy to be something that marriage, in the context of marriage, is, is healthy. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2 through 3 says this, but since there is no such immorality, each, but since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife. And the word immorality is the same word used for having, uh, being fornicating, adultery. All that's wrapped around that one word as it's translated in, the, in this context here. And what it means is each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and the likewise the wife to the husband. Marriage, Hebrews 13, 4 says, should be honorable by all and that marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterers and all the sexually immoral. Now, here's what I want you to see. Don't, don't turn yet. Hold on. Hold on. That's a challenge giving y'all notes. You want what's next? Hold on. Here's the deal. Part of the challenge is married people cannot, can often miss the power of having a good, strong, intimate life. And so it shouldn't be some game you play or some card you use to control people. So I'm not trying to give the idea that somehow you should have this, this, this um, anti-intimacy attitude and that, any, you know, that you somehow need to apologize because you have a sexual life. You shouldn't feel sorry for it. And the young people that are growing up, these urges and desires you have, they're not evil. It's, it's just learning where. In every other area of your life, you learn where to do what. You learn, I do this here, I do that over there. There are certain places you do things. You understand that. You don't, you don't get in the middle of a pool and eat dinner. You understand that. There's certain things you do in certain places for certain reasons. And there's a reason he put this here. Now, hear this. Once you say all that, it always triggers another thought. Turn the page. Here you go. You ready? It always triggers this thought. And, I, and I've got to just touch it, and I'm not going to stay here long, but I want to just say two things. One thing about living together and one thing about same-sex marriage. If I can lump them both together, and I will, I will deal with this in another setting in, in more detail. But I just want to drop it in, and just, I'll come back to it later. The Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman. That's what the Bible says. Now, I understand that as, as you read the first note I made, the world doesn't agree with that. The culture now is rising to say, that's not, that's not, that's not right. It should be whatever you want. That's fine to believe, but that is not what the Bible says. Now, here, now, here's what I want, I want you to do. Now, Christians get really holy here, and I get some really loud amens in a minute if I keep going because they want me to bash people, and let me tell you what I'm not going to do. Somebody, somebody said to me in the last service, they said, you know, thank you for what you said because my daughter's gay. See, when it's your child, when it's your son, when it's your friend, when it's someone you know, when it's a coworker who's incredibly faithful or an employee who's incredibly faithful, you don't have the right because you have a different, different uh, agree, you, don't, you have a different viewpoint as a Christian to be mean to anybody and, and to deny that person the right to have a happy life. 
You don't have the right to impose at every family reunion your religious arrogance and your religious opinion and to come in a room with a condescending spirit. You don't have the right to do that. That's not like Jesus. Jesus loved everybody. And if you can't love everybody, gay, straight, crooked, whatever you call it, whatever it is, up, down, you have to learn how to love everybody. Come on, say amen if you hear me. Love everybody. Love everybody. Treat everybody fairly. And if you ever have a company, you ever have a job, you cannot, you cannot discriminate that based upon your personal religious viewpoints. I think sometimes we're arrogant and we don't get it. So that's for now. I'll come back to that later. Here's the second point. I may disagree, but I must love you and make you feel like I love you. Yeah. And then lastly, I want to say this to you. Living together, you know, come on, people. One of the things that's really so common in our culture, but I get it. You know why? Because I thought I would be living together. I never planned to get married. I never did. I was raised by a single parent. I never planned to ever, ever get married. Let me be clear. I never planned to get married, <laughs> ever. Ever. I never dreamed to be married. I never thought about being married. You know how you daydream, I wish I had a wife and children, not me. I never dreamed that. Never, ever. Never, ever, ever. I had a bad, I had a bad view of marriage. You know why? Because I don't know, I just never, if you're never around it, you don't know. All I knew was to get married and the women take half your stuff. That's all I knew. I was in California. Here's what I used to say. Here was my view. This is true. Now, this is the truth. This is terrible. I was about nine years old. I said, if I ever got married, a woman tried to take my house, I'd just burn it down. We both live outside. That was awful. What kind of nine-year-old thinking is that? And I just said, it's terrible. Terrible. So my point is, I understand that you, you can think this is okay, but I've learned it's just not. It's just, it's not the best. You know, pause for a second. Think about what you're doing. Covenant is where the power is. I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife till death do us part. I take you, Ricky Temple, your handsome self, to be my husband. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something about the covenant, people, that makes a huge difference. Well, now, let me give you four tips, and then I got a surprise for you. You ready? Four tips. Number one, here's how you stay free. It's not on your notes, so write this down. Now you got to write something. You ready? It's going to be so spoiled, you don't know how to write anymore. <laughs> Number one, be honest with yourself. Say that with me, please. Come on. I'm tempted. Say that to yourself. I know. I, yes, I, 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 I see that salad, and I want to go over there and praise the Lord. Say hello to that new person I just saw. Say that. And, say, and be honest about your intent. Don't say you're going over there to pray. You ain't going to pray. <laughs> Get over there. Can't even remember what the Bible verse Genesis is. Can't find the book of Genesis. <laughs> if you see somebody and you can't find Genesis when you open the Bible, you know you need to go home. Praise God. I, I can't even find Genesis. I don't know where. <laughs> I can't find nothing. You tracking with me? All right, number two. Number two. Stay away. Stay away. If you stay away, you won't go off. What did I say? Okay, I'm going to give you only three today. You ready? Here's the third one. It's just three. Tell somebody. That'll stop you. <laughs> you keep it to yourself, you'll do it again. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Somebody said, Pastor Rick, I got one question for you. Just one question. As I close, one, just if I can interrupt your sermon, ask you one question. Have you ever seen somebody? I know you're a man of God, and I know you're holy and you love Jesus and all that, but just, just an honest question. You ever, you ever seen somebody and said, oh, my. You ever had an old my moment? 
Everybody say, oh, my. I mean, come on, you know you see somebody, and they, Pastor Rick, like, come on, Pastor Rick, now, all these times. I know you love Jesus and the Bible. <laughs> but have you had a, oh, my, look at her a moment. Yeah. Yeah. But I also said, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm dying to tell you, I said, oh, she got a bad spirit. <laughs> Sometimes Christina look at me. I said, Christina, she got a bad spirit. Come here. She got a bad spirit. What you talking about? She, 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 bad spirit. Bad spirit. <laughs> Sometimes they say, Daddy, nobody got a... <laughs> Daddy told you it's a bad spirit. Get over here. Standing right there. Bad spirit, Jesus. Ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. <laughs> Trying to trap me and pull me in. And, you know, I know, I know how it is good-looking guy and everything. I understand the pressure. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just having fun. You enjoy today? Come on, give Lord a big hand if you did. All right. Now, listen, I got a treat for you. Come on, guys. We're going to move all this stuff out the way. Come on, I got a treat. I want, I want you all to move this for me. I, got, I bought somebody. So a friend of mine's here today, and uh, he, he is the pastor of Word of Faith in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, you guys come take this for me, please. Take this. Take this for me. And I want you, I, want, I, want, I told him, he's, he's coming to church today, and he want to preach, right? He want to hang out. So he's uh, over here, please, just right here. Thank you. Just put him right there. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. And uh, I want Pastor Bishop Dale Bronner. Come join me, man of God. Come on up here. Come on up. <laughs> Come on, man. Look, they're standing for you. What is that about? Huh? They like you. Look at that. They're standing for you. Here you go. All right. Now listen, listen, hey, tell, your wife's here. Tell them about your wife. Your wife's here. Let them see your wife. This is my wife of 30 years. Yeah. Come on. Five children, four grandchildren. I got one coming. <laughs> now, they've seen me preach at your church many times, right? We, we use the video. We call it uh, On the Road with the Pastor. I wanted you to have a chance to comment on what you've heard me talk about. And uh, so just for a few minutes, I just want to just talk to you about it. So Because, you know, this whole thing about the pastors messing up and all that, what do you think about all that? I absolutely love it. You guys have an incredible gift and a wonderful, wonderful jewel. Now, you know, men of genius are admired. Men of wealth are envied. Men of power are feared. But men of character are trusted. You've got a real gift. A real, real gift that is real, that is relevant, that's biblical, that gives practical solutions. I absolutely love this type of open forum and dialogue. You, do, you guys do know that this is out of the box. This is not ordinary how a church is done in most places. But it is so real. This is so, it, it is so vital because we do have an over-sexualized society. Uh, my wife and I, we've, we've raised four daughters and a son. My oldest daughter, when she got married, she was a virgin. And she married a virgin man. And my second daughter, when she married, she was a virgin. 
and she married a virgin man. One of the reasons that their husbands were virgins is because I had the wonderful privilege while they were younger to mentor them in their lives. Now, I didn't control it. I didn't arrange the marriage. <laughs> I gave them the illusion of choice. <laughs> but it was absolutely wonderful. My, my, my twin daughters, they, they're virgins. One of them is engaged to marry now. Now, I did have to tell them as they were getting older, you can't hold it against people who are not virgins, <laughs> you know. Right. But we homeschooled our children. And I cannot tell you the incredible blessing that it brought into our home to shield our kids away from the sexual pressure, all of the stuff that's in the media, in music, on television, in movies that was bombarding itself on other folks' children, and then they were talking about it in school, and the pressures, and the way that they were dressing. And we didn't have any of those issues with our kids in their high school years because they were in the shelter. And, and, and the way that we use as, as punishment for our children, with the threat of punishment, is that if they didn't do something correctly, they couldn't go to church. And see, that's, that was, that's where all of their social relationships were. That's like, oh, please, no, 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 please, no, no, please. <laughs> And so our children have grown up loving church, loving God, and, and we are so blessed to have all of our children uh, in, 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 the, uh, in the church. This woman, and, uh, we met in high school. When I saw her for the very first time, she was lying at my feet. I said, goody, a woman who knows her place. You better go ahead. She tripped over one of her friend's feet. You know, our lockers were near each other, but, uh, but we've been married for, for 30 years, and she's the only woman I've ever known. The only woman. I have no regrets. It's the best I've ever had. <laughs> now, let me jump in and say this, because I know a couple things. You don't know this, but I know you're big supporters of public school. You yes. do a lot of things to help public schools. So this is, in a way, an anti-public school thing. But also, I also know that you counsel a lot of people who have broken lives. Yeah. I mean, from celebrity, well-known people to people that you don't know. And they, they, you have an approach to restoration and healing for people. Uh, talk a little bit about that. H how do you, even though you've had this great success in your life in, in terms of those areas we talked about, what about the people that, first of all, how do you handle that when, when you deal with a person who's messed up like this? What do you say to them? We bring them the message of grace. In fact, the vast, overwhelming majority of people have not done it right. We're dealers in hope. We're dealers in the grace of God. You know, we, we do uh, ministry in six different prisons around the state. I'm on the governor's commission to help uh, the, the reentry program of our uh, inmates. We have a huge, huge number of folks that's being released here over the next 10 years, and they're coming back home. Mm -hmm. and, and we've got to do some, some things, and many of them, we've got folks, we've hired people, sex offenders, in our own church. And we've worked with, with getting um, in other employers that are willing to give them another chance so that they can have gainful employment because if these folks get out and nobody wants them to be around them and everybody's paranoid of what they're going to do and nobody wants to give them a second chance, we send them back into the same recidivism into this vicious cycle where there's, there's no help of them, the hope of them getting out. But one of the messages that I try to communicate to them, whether they've messed up, whether they're in prison, whether some people that have made poor decisions and it has affected their life, 
I tell people, you're born looking like your mom and daddy, but you die looking like your decisions. You have the capacity to be able to change how you wind up in this life. And everything that we have, awareness is the beginning of change. Awareness, just to become aware and to be even able to ask the introspective questions is fantastic because it brings us into an awareness so that we really check the man out in the, in the mirror. And if you don't evaluate yourself, you can't make adjustments. And we look so much, and that's why you have to look in the mirror. And we would make a terrible mistake if we called ourselves making the adjustment in the mirror. If we want to straighten up the image in the mirror, we got to make the change here. And when we straighten up here, then the image that we're looking at in the mirror immediately straightens up. And I tell people, our spouse is our mirror. And if a person is looking in the mirror and they see a grimaced face looking back at them, this is a warning sign to say that there's something that you're doing or failing to do that your mate does not respect and there's a need that you're not meeting, something that you're doing that's offending this relationship and they need us to look in the mirror, check ourselves, make the adjustment on ourselves and the image in the mirror will automatically adjust. But it's a constant process of evaluating, adjusting and improving. Evaluating, adjusting and improving and it never ever ends. Let me ask this question, and I'm just curious. What would be, in your opinion, the um, reason why so many pastors have these challenges? Uh, I know they'd be, we talked about that in this little, but the, the last question, tell me why you think that's true. Sometimes they've not seen it modeled. Sometimes they have been mentored by people. Say that again. Sometimes they've not what now? It, it has not been modeled for them. Okay. It, the, the proper example has not been modeled. Uh, what they understand to be a man, and uh, even to be a man of God. And sometimes, if, you, if a person has grown up in ministry, I didn't grow up in the ministry. I, I mean, I grew up in the church, but I'm, I'm from the business world, as you know. And so I didn't grow up around preachers. So I never saw, I thought all of them, everybody was a holy man of God. <laughs> you know, so I had no idea uh, about some of the dysfunction that goes on in people who are in ministry. Let me say this. Now, some of you may not know, he, his family, uh, Bronner Brothers uh, Hair Products, um, that's his family. And his, his name is Bronner too, right? And uh, your daddy founded the business? Yes, in 1947. 1947. And um, so you came from a business background yes. into the, the hair business, yes. basically. Yes. And so when you came into ministry, you didn't come with the same feelings and views as the average preacher did. Exactly. And so when you see guys that have fallen into these traps, do you think it's greed? Do you think it's, uh, how, why? I mean, how, why, does that, why do they do it when they preach every week? Explain that, your view. Well, you know, uh, I grew up in the household of a multimillionaire. So I didn't get into ministry for money. Uh, my dad owned 21 homes. We had a home right here in Savannah Beach. I, I spent a tremendous amount of time in my growing up years, not, not working, but just coming in, <laughs> hanging out at the beach house. <laughs> so uh, it's an incredible experience. And so when I, when I got into, into ministry, you'd be surprised when you have stuff, you don't need things to affirm who you are. So I didn't need the external accoutrements of, of the watches and the custom this and the, this kind of car and airplane and mansion and all of that to make me feel satisfied with who I am. I, my, my worth was established 
very, very firmly. My parents affirmed their children in who we were. My dad, at 75 years old, in perfect health, had all six of his sons to kneel down before him. And uh, he took out a vial of oil, laid his hands on us, and spoke an Abrahamic-style prophetic blessing over the lives of all six of his sons. I am living today in the destiny of the prophetic covenant blessing that came from walking in submission and obedience to my father. I am so convinced of that, and that has blessed my life in an incredible way, having a wonderful dad as a man of God in my own home that I saw him dis, uh, you know, exhibiting the character of Christ. I saw my dad on his knees. I saw my dad leading his family in worship. I saw my dad serving in the church as a deacon and assisting our pastor and helping to build the first church million dollar, million dollar credit union in the country. And so uh, back in the 70s. And so I, I've grown up with, with a wonderful example in my home. And so I go that way by default. I go that way by default. And if you don't have the example, you have to intentionally build those things that might have been missing in the environment in, uh, of your growing up, seeing godly people, people with character, and people who knew how to handle money. So some people just did not know how. They, right. they didn't have the good model, and so they end up in ministry, and right. they lost their way, right. which is interesting. So when you have a guy who had it but didn't get caught up in that, that's why it's really, it's really important. Now, before we go, um, it's been a joy to have you as a friend. I really think you're amazing. And uh, I always say your friends tell your story, right? Is he a good friend? Come on, amen. Is he a good friend? I think so. Now, we're going to have, we're gonna have um, some revival meetings uh, uh, in town. And I want to bring you back to preach a day or two for us in a revival meeting. How many of you say amen to that? I'm going to bring you back. Yeah. This is going to be one of those guys we have at the Civic Center. And uh, we're going to have uh, where everybody can fit and everybody can come at one time. And so we look forward to that. And so we are going to have Bishop Dale Bronner back. And he's going to preach the word for us. Amen? Amen. Thank you, man of God. Appreciate you, buddy. God bless you. Come on, give him a big hand. Come on. Thank you. Father, I thank you for the word, all that's been said and all that's been done today. We thank you for the message. We thank you for the people of God. We thank you for all that you have done in our ministry over the years. We pray that you would help us to take this topic and apply it. Next week, we talk about the fourth thing, Lord. The, lack, the, the wrong definition for love what hurts and destroys families. So as we talk about that next week, I pray as we close this series that your grace will be strong upon us. And then next month, we talk about what happened to our children. Four sermons that deal with the four things that have happened to our children. And on Easter Sunday morning, we talk about the resurrection power God had planned for our children. May the grace of God in these next several studies bring healing and wholeness to every heart and every mind. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, I, I get it. I need to make a decision about the direction my life is going. And I need Jesus in my life. I want to leave your change today. If you're here and you want to start a life with, <laughs> excuse me, with Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Say, pray for me, 